We had an adventure this week. Had places to go, things to do, people to see. And our last stop, we thought, we pulled away, got about a mile away, and I said, where am I, Eliza? And Marcia said, well, you're the one wearing I know, but I thought I had a view. No, you didn't have a view. So we pulled over, looked at the car, couldn't find him anyway. Went back to our last stop. Folks looking around, looking around, looking around. Never could find them. Well, if we find them any time later, obviously I'm not going to blame you, but uh, just I'm just be, be glad to find them. And then it started snowing. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. And so, about 45 minutes longer than it usually takes, we got back from North Little Rock to Virginia. And uh, we pulled in, unloaded the car. Guess what Marsha found? <laughs> now, there's some things I still have not found after a few years. So, I made a resolution. I gotta make sure that I don't lose those things again. You too, Granny Chain. <laughs> you know, that might be a good idea. Because it wouldn't bother me for somebody to make fun, because at least I'd know where my glasses are. <laughs> so we pulled in here and uh, got out. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Psalm 39. 39 over 150. That reduces to 13 over 50, which doubles to 26 over 100. So we've finished 26% of the Psalms. So we're all experts on the Psalms, aren't we? We have skimmed the surface. And that's it. So what Psalm do you suppose I'm going to turn you to tonight? You go in order to do 39. No, we did 39. So, should be 40. And you're right. But along the way, jump ahead just a tad. Psalm 68. Because in verse 19, it says, I can read this even without my cheater. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. 
It's not a very short sheet of you. Raise your hand if God's ever shorted you. No. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've short, shorted the Lord. Because if honesty means anything to us, we have to say, yeah, I've not always done what I really ought to have done. And I remind you that because this is another one of those psalms with so much in it. Now, I kind of like the number five, as I raised up. And there are five main thoughts that I uh, want to bring out. <clears throat> but let's, let's read these 17 verses. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. Does that sound familiar? Out of the miry clay. Set my feet upon a rock. And established my goings. And put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. And I hope you're familiar with a song that says, He took me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my heart today. Song of love. Hallelujah. Y'all ever heard that? Mm -hmm. Beautiful song. We don't have it in our hymnal, though, do we? I don't think so. He lifted me out of my heart to play. That's pretty good, too. <laughs> All right. What number is it in the ABA? It's you page know. 64 in the ABA. 64 in the ABA. All right, maybe we'll sing it some other day. Let's keep on a reading. <clears throat> Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the crap of the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, are thy wondrous works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to us word. I like that us word, don't you? They cannot be reckoned, reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Don't we have a song count your blessings? But we don't have enough numbers for all those, do we? It doesn't hurt for us to be aware that God is in the business of blessing his people. He loves to show mercy. Sometimes we're not too godly when it comes to showing mercy, aren't we? But we continue. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book that is written to me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. And I submit to you, there are an awful lot of nominal Christian people that would really have a problem with verse 8. You really delight to do the will of the Lord? You remember that when it's time to support the services with your attendance, with your finances, with your prayers? We all want people to pray for us when we're in a tight. But how often do we pray for others? I love that song we sang, Others. You ought to think about others, not just number one. I have preached righteousness of the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips. O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. 
I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. How would it be if you were described by others as a person of truth? How would it be if you were described as a person of loving kindness? That's the kind of God we have. We're supposed to be like Him. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I'm not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together and seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Uh-huh, uh-huh. Let those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. Does that sound familiar? Hold that thought. We'll take a look back in just a moment. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying. Oh my God. That next to the last verse, verse 16. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. It wasn't too long ago. We were in Psalm 35. I refresh your memory from the last two verses of Psalm 35, 27 and 28. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor thy, my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Not me, not thee, nobody else but the Lord. Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. The average nominal Christian today sounds like a guy warming up for an opera. Mimi, mimi, mimi. I this, I that. Looky, looky. I'm really a work. Let's legend in their own mind. This is a messianic psalm. It speaks about the Lord, His person, and His work. It's a messianic psalm with a multitude of messages. So much in here. And verse 8 is very important. Because when all boils down... This should be your mind and mine. I delight to do thy will. Oh my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. We're not smart enough. We're not stable enough. We're not secure enough to know and then to do what is right in God's sight. We need the help of our great God. We need a plan. It's given to us right here. We need a helper, a comforter. 
Our Lord Himself said, I will not leave you comfortless. He gives us the Spirit. And our Spirit bears witness with the Spirit of others that indeed we're on the same frequency. We're moving in the same direction. You ever wonder why it is that you get the idea that even people call themselves Christians don't think like we think, don't move like we move, don't evaluate like we do, <coughs> because maybe they're not really children of God. I can't judge a person's heart, I can't judge a person's motives, but I can and I ought to look at the results. Yeah. Very important <coughs> that we take into mind here. Now, the first 11 verses are the major focus here, and then we're going to look at verse 12, serving as a transition between the beginning and the end. But in these first verses, I want us to see, first of all, the first three verses talk about great praise. God is to be praised. Not you, not me, not a denomination, not some hero from the past, certainly not a prince of this day, and not even one yet to come. Praise is only, always, and exactly to be given to God. Now, I'm not sure what his spiritual condition was, but some playwright wrote, wrote a story years ago about the devil. And so he said, Mr. Devil... Why is it that, that you rebelled in heaven? He says, well, let me put it this way. Um, I'll sit in a chair, and you prance around me and say, he's wonderful, he's wonderful, and you just do that for a long, 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 long time. Well, after a while, I'd say, when can we trade places? Well, that's what I try to do with God. Probably an unregenerate saying that, but at least they understood but the devil had a problem knowing his place and doing what was his to do. And how many times do we want to be more? We want to aspire for this. We want to aspire for that. Even the Lord said, when you go to a meeting, you're at this banquet or whatever, and you see some seat up yonder, don't take the seat up there. Because that might be reserved to somebody else. Better to take a place in the crowd and have someone say, come on up, than to have to be told you thought more highly than you ought to think of yourself. You step on down here. So we're going to talk about great praise for a moment here in these first three verses. When he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Literally, he said, in waiting, I waited. Waiting can sometimes be the hardest thing. Now, we, we talked about patience this morning. I've never met a person yet who could honestly say, I have all the patience I need. And the Lord has taught, well, no, I don't believe we arrive on that one used to work at a restaurant and there was a guy named Daryl and Daryl had his car in the shop. Well, Daryl was a waiter. 
in the restaurant. But when he got off work, he went out front and he says, I hate to wait on people. I says, should you really be saying that? Because that's, that's what you do for a living. But the truth is, when it's not going our way, it's very frustrating because we, we want it ready. We want it now. We want it exactly when, where, and how we say. And when we're told, no, you can't quite get it that way, for whatever reason, we, we, we want results. We want things to be the way we expect. But this business of waiting, we need to keep into mind. When it talks about inclining his ear, the Lord has an ear that is not heavy. What keeps the Lord from hearing our requests and giving? Psalm 59 says, It's not the Lord can't hear, but it's your sins that have separated you. Sometimes our heart condition blocks. David knew that. In Psalm 66, the 18th verse, he'll say, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I wondered once, I was probably in my early teens, I made a comment to my father and he said, I can't hear you. I thought that meant talk a little louder. No, he didn't mean that. He meant that we had some unfinished business. I needed to take care of something else. And the Lord is that way with us many a time. We need to remember that. You know, David's experience parallels that of, of many others. Now, we talked about this idea of he took me out of a miry clay. That literally happened to Jeremiah. The people asked Jeremiah, basically, they, they didn't want him to talk and tell him what the Lord uh, held him to a standard. And they put him in a, basically, a filthy hole, mud pit. Nasty, nasty, up, up to his armpits. Basically left him there to rot. And they finally fished him out. And he had told them, rely upon the Lord. Don't listen to the claims that Egypt can make it right for us. They fished him out. And they said, we got some good news for you, prophet. We're, uh, we, we got you out of the hole. And... Uh, we're going to Egypt. No, don't go to Egypt. And we're taking you with us. No, no. And so Jeremiah felt about as useless as a person could be. But it's interesting that what David says in the Psalms actually literally came to be illustrated, at least a part of it there, with this one. No wonder we call Jeremiah the weeping prophet. He wept because of the way people were. And of course, David was set upon a rock. We find references to that as well. So this great praise to the God who can fix the problems, the messes that we get ourselves in. And then in verses 4 and 5, we see a glorious provision. The Lord is no slouch. The Lord works things out better than we ever could. Now, People like to talk about circumstances and they talk about what the Lord has done as if it was luck. I was in the right place at the right time. 
It's the Lord who takes us by the hand. It's the Lord who gets us through. Behold, the psalmist says, He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. You know, the Beatitudes aren't all in Matthew chapter 5. We saw that in verse 4. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. If you trust in the Lord, you have no basis to worry. If you trust in the Lord, you have no basis to worry. If you trust in the Lord, you have no basis to worry. I think Brother Dan and I would agree with that statement. But it's true. Yes. You know what we do? I trust the Lord. I surely do. But you just deny it if you're going to put in some exception. I just don't know. I do. There are a lot of things I don't know, but I do know this. God is on the throne. Not just when things are rosy. Just, not just when things are going my way. Blessed is the more that maketh the Lord his trust. The man that maketh the Lord his trust. And respecteth not the proud. Proverbs says the fear of man makes a snare. If you're afraid of what men will say about you, you're more like Lot than Abraham. You're more like the ten spies who went in by Moses' direction and came back and said, the people are giants, the whole cities, oh, what are we doing out here? And then two came back, Joshua and Caleb, and said, yeah, the, yeah they got walled cities, yeah, the, but uh, we have a God who's greater than all of that. There was a prophet with a sidekick kid, and the kid saw the armies of the enemy. A great host. And he said, we are toast. When I look at this host. And the prophet said, son, this boy on our side with them. What? And his prayer was, Lord, open the young man's eyes. And he saw the heavenly host. Never have a doubt that God has his precious people covered. Well, I can't see it. That's why we're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is not just something that we demonstrate at one point in our life and then we just coast the rest of the way. No, we live by faith. It's so important that four times in our Bible it says the just shall live by faith. And that's not followed by a but statement. That is so, like the man said, you can take that one to the bank. So it's a glorious provision. So glorious and so good is our God. As he said here in verse 5, Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to us word. I guarantee you, God thinks a lot more about us than we do about him. The Psalm 10 says, of the wicked, God is not in all his thoughts. That certainly suggests to me that we ought to think, be, be thinking more about what's the Lord's take on this. What would the Lord have me to do? It'd be a pretty good Bible verse, wouldn't it, to say we ought to follow the example of Jesus. 
walk in his steps. Uh, and make it. Oh, that is a Bible verse. I think Peter's the one who was used of the Spirit to write that down. But this glorious provision we find here in the fourth and the fifth verse. And then there's a godly priority. It's not figure out what you want to do. Get advice. Get everything you can from everybody else. And then at the end, tack on a prayer like icing on the cake. That's the way prayer is with a lot of people. Prayer isn't so much the first resource, but the last resort. We have the widow of one of our former deacons. He, he passed away, but he was physically unbed. He had a, an aneurysm? Uh, they called the family in three times in five days to say, he's probably not going to make it. Well, he did, by the grace of God, and he lived a few years before. But I was so proud of his wife. The dear sister, when the doctor took her in, he said, you better get the family together. We've done all we can do. Okay. He's in the Lord's hands now. So proud when she said, Doctor, he's always been the Lord's hands. Lord might use your hands and your training, your expertise. He might use these nurses and everyone else, but it's the Lord who accomplishes the thing. There ought to be a verse that says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord is the one who wakes the watchman. The watchman wakes, but in vain. Except the Lord keep the city. That's how the 127th begins in my Bible. I think it's pretty close to that in yours too. The Lord is the one who does provide. And we so often forget that. But the priority is to be with the Lord. We see the Lord first, last, and always. Because the heart is more important than things. You probably see the, see the same. But the lowest caliber of people, they think about things, they talk about things, and then the mid-level, if you will, those are the people that talk about people, but then at the top you've got those who think about ideas. Have you thought about the fact that God is in control, that he has all power, all presence, all purpose, that's why Romans 8.28 should be such a blessing to us. I mean, if Joe Schmo out here says, hey, as far as I'm concerned, it's all going to work out. How can you make that be? You don't have the sense to do it. You don't have the resources to do it. You could die at any time, but God's not going to die. He's not going to get forgetful. He's not going to get weak. None of the things that touch us touch our great God. And so our priority ought to be with the Lord. It tells us what we ought to do. To delight in the Lord. That does not mean 
Okay, I guess I gotta do it. Begging, kicking, screaming, I'll be resisting, but I guess it's gonna happen. No. Delight in the Lord. One of the things I've always respected about Paul Brown, something happens and he doesn't, he doesn't oh man, what's it got to be like that? No. He says, what a blessing. What a blessing. And sometimes we might kid him a little bit, but he means it. We should see things as God. God was pleased to give you the times in which you live, the opportunity. And yes, it's a blessing to live in the USA. I want to, wouldn't want to live in Ukraine right now, would you? So well, it could be better in America. Yeah, it could. It could be a lot worse, too. A lot of things could really go south. You go to the doctor and they say, well, this, 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 this. Oh, so I don't have perfect health. Where does God say you can have perfect health? Perfect circumstances. Everything's going my way. Doesn't work that way. Not in the real world. Maybe in a storybook. Maybe in a cartoon. But not in reality. And yet God faithful to do and to be for us. The word delight comes up many a time in Scripture. Not just in the Psalms, but to delight in the Lord. To delight in His way. To delight in His word. That's why we tell people when they say, you mean you got to go to church? I get to go. you got to do... I think some people, when the offering plates pass, well, I'm going to put some money in the plate. Pray God will break my legs or make my kids sick or something. Now, God's not a mafioso. There's a reason why Paul wrote, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. You should enjoy. You should be thankful for the opportunity. It is our blessing to do as the Lord would have us to do. If people are grateful, if people are cognizant of the fact, like uh, Jim Elliot, you might have heard of him. He died a relatively young man. But one of his sayings was, that man would be a fool Hang on to what he can't keep anyway and forfeit what he can never lose. The Lord talked about treasures in heaven. He said, don't be working so hard just to have the th things that thieves can steal, moths can eat, rust can corrupt. You can buy a brand new shiny vehicle spending thousands of dollars for it and you know carefully it could wind up all pitted with rust the tires go mushy and, and maybe repair this that and the other things wear down things wind down they rust out but there's not a treasure that we have in the bank of heaven that will devalue that will rust, that will die. I mean, you could say, my, my wealth is in my head, the cattle. Well, your cattle could die. Or look at the crops. You could have a bad crop. 
We think about things in terms of what we have and what we expect. And yet the Lord says, store up in the treasure of heaven. None of those things happen to that. It's a guaranteed thing. Even the banks, they might guarantee this, that, and the other. But uh, what does tomorrow hold? Governments have been known to default on loans. Currencies have been devalued. All kinds of things. And you could have a big chunk of change in the bank, but that invisible inflation, that, that invisible tax upon everybody, if you will, devalues, robs of. And we're talking about an investment that won't devalue, won't get lost in the shuffle. You won't lose your safety deposit box for the things in heaven for you. And uh, I say that because back in 1978, I was in a park with Marsha and the kids at the school, and I had my safety deposit box key in my pocket, and when I came back, I couldn't find it. I never did find it. I still haven't found out or whatever happened to it, but the Lord knows. Things can happen. You can have reversal. You can have things blindside you. That's why James says in James 4, Go to now ye that say, We're going to go in such and such city, and buy their year, and buy and sell, get gay. You don't know what you have on the market. Your life is a vapor. That's it. That's how long we, in comparison to eternity. So, think on these things. And then look at verses 9 and 10, because when he would preach, he was grateful. He didn't whine. He didn't make excuses. Let's read these again. 9, 10, 11. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. You can preach on how to get rich, and you'll get a big crowd. You can preach on how to have all your joys, all your dreams come true. You're going to have a big crowd. You get up and say, I'm going to preach on righteousness, and you probably won't have a big crowd, because people don't want to be told that sort of thing. I think that's one of the reasons why Mr. Spurgeon preached the sermons, are we feeding the sheep, or are we entertaining the goats? Wow. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart, some people, oh yeah, I'm good, I'm righteous, and I'm keeping it here. I don't want anybody else to see it. What did the Lord say in Matthew 5? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your works and pat you on the head. No. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You deflect the praise. The Lord gets the praise. The Lord gets the honor. He's the one that gave us everything anyway. Ironically, God gives us our bodies, our minds, the time, the opportunity. And when we do what he would have us to do, he rewards us. I don't think there's any employer in this world that comes anywhere close to that kind of arrangement. Withhold not thy tender mercies for me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. How long do you suppose the mercies of the Lord endure? 
That's a long time. Can you think of God actually saying that? Lord gives me life to get to Psalm 136. 26 verses. And the last part of every verse says, For his mercy endureth forever. You might run out of patience. You might run out of anything and everything you value. But the Lord's mercies endure forever. Somebody, in fact, I, I used to read this aloud in Christian school. We would start on the first day and I'd read Psalm 1. The second day I'd read Psalm 2. Yeah, it took a while. We got to Psalm 119. I think it was like 23 minutes. But then we made up for it because 117 is only two verses. So that's less than 60 seconds. And when I got to that, one of the kids said, why does it say the same thing over and over so we don't forget? When God says a thing once, take it to heart. But if he repeats it, really, really take it to heart. God was not intent on anything but making it clear to us that we know some wonderful things. That's why he says it so often and so well. His mercy endures forever, as we should. So our preaching is to be a grateful thing. And then there's a gracious preservation. God preserves us, not kicking and screaming. It's not like God has got, like the parent has got the kid by the ear pulling along and, come on, you're going to do this whether you like it or not. No, the Lord preserves. The Lord brings us graciously around. He's so much kinder to us. Now, we would probably be if the shoe we're on the foot, so to speak. Because that is his work. That's what he does. We love to quote Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We're not, it's not by works, so any man should boast. You know who the real work, the worker is? The real worker is the Lord. We are his workmanship. That means we're his projects. You know, you carve something out of wood, you're making something out of something else, and what are you making? I'm making this thing. I got the elements together and I have a plan. I'm going to follow a pattern and I'm going to produce this thing and it'll be much greater than the sum of its parts. Watch well, what God does with us. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we walk therein. You mean God's wanting me, expecting me? To do good stuff? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what he's saying there. I thought works didn't save. No, they don't. I guarantee you, if I walked into 21148 San Miguel Avenue, Castro Valley, California, and I said to Mr. and Mrs. Edward Walter Reigns, I'm going to work hard to qualify as your son. I'll do any chores you have. I'll, I'll get a little job and, and try to help support for the meal. Can I be your son then? They probably say, what is wrong with you, kid? You can't buy our love. You can't get in this family by talking or, or trying to bribe us or anything like that. Well, how can I be your son? 
said you were born into this family. Oh. So it's a done deal, right? Absolutely. I don't have to do a thing, do I? Not to be the son. <laughs> Not to stay the son. Oh, okay. Uh, so get out there and cut the grass. I thought I didn't have to do anything. Not to be a son. Not to stay a son. Then why should I cut the grace? Because you are a son. What's the difference? It's not a requirement. It's a result. It's not a cause. It's a, or a condition or cause. It's a consequence. God works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And therein, we ought to be rejoicing. Remember Philippians 1, 6? Remember what he says in Timothy? So I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which is committed unto him against that day. And his many mercies bestowed. Now, without him, pull the plug and what do we have? Now, we were, who read Billy this morning from Philippians 4? What does it say? His power is such. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. The good news is if Christ is strengthening, you can do anything that God would have you to do. Because he's no slouch. He's going to equip you He's going to bring circumstances around and it's going to be a plan. It's going to work. On the other hand, pull the plug and try to do it on your own. The flip side of that, John 15, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. As long as the shoot is connected to the root, it is alive. It will produce the fruit. But you cut off the branch you pull a plug out of the socket and you're dead in the water. Without me, ye can do nothing. That's what you can do. That's what I can do without the Lord. Very important that we keep that in mind. Hopeless without Him. And then 13 through 17 give us the details of this great deliverance because so many times we look at what could be and we think of what should be and we miss the point that God has something extra special going on. By the way, the last five verses of this psalm, they constitute a psalm all by themselves Psalm number 70. You say, why would God repeat himself? Well, not for his purposes, but for ours. We need to hear it again. That's why for his mercy endureth forever. Given to us 26 times. Don't let anybody take Well, You might have got to the end of your rope when it comes to God's mercies. And then look at verse 17 to see... There's a very important exception. When you look at what's going on, all their worry warts would say, this could go foul. 
This could go south. This could change completely. What about this? What about that? Look at the last verse. We close. I am poor in need. I am not so resourceful. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't have a, a consensus of people behind me. I can't pull this thing off on my own. Well, that's part of the problem. You think it is something that you can do. I think sometimes in our flesh we tell the Lord, I won't need you so much today, Lord, because I got this thing covered. No, don't, don't talk that way. Don't think that way. I am poor and needy. That's the bottom line. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. That makes all the difference in the world. He focuses upon us. The psalmist earlier had said, when I consider the heavens work of life, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Why should God think about me? Why should God spend any time, throw me any bones whatsoever? Because he's pleased to do so. Doesn't that thrill you to know who our God is and what he is pleased to do. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. God has got us covered. God is in the driver's seat. I guess I was a teenager the first time I saw one of those bumper stickers. Jesus is my life. Or my co-pilot, rather. And then somebody else said, why don't you say, Jesus is the pilot. I'm just going along for the ride. Because he knows where to take you, how to take you, when to take you, and why to take you. There's a lot in this song. And uh, I think we've just scratched the surface. But let's stand